Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We're taking a look at the results from what will surely go down as a historic election in Chicago, as Lori Lightfoot becomes the first mayor in decades to lose a re-election bid for a second term. And it's time to discuss what ended up being the top issue for a majority of voters, crime. A recent poll commissioned by WBEZ, Chicago Sun-Times, Telemundo Chicago, and NBC5 showed nearly two-thirds of Chicago voters feel unsafe. Here to discuss the role crime played in the Chicago mayor's race is WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith. With us for their analysis are Elmhurst University professor Connie Mixon and political strategist Delmarie Cobb. First, Patrick, put things into context for us. When we talk about crime in Chicago, what do we need to keep in mind? Because there's always a lot of numbers and comparisons just being thrown out there. Yeah, it's all over national television. It's all over local television. And and I mean, crime means a lot of different things. Uh, You know, there's a lot of burglaries, crime, sexual assault. And and I'm going to do something that we do in the media a lot, which is sort of reduce it all to gun violence and murders, because that can be a quick. Well, because it's an incredibly important issue that, that confronts us here in Chicago. And focusing just on gun violence and murders, we are actually right now in the midst of a decrease. We're, we're, our numbers of shootings and murders are falling down from where they were in 2021. But also, 2021 was really, really high for gun violence, the highest it had been in decades. And even with our, you know, we've been falling over the last year plus, mm-hmm. uh, we're still higher now as far as shootings and murders than we were before the pandemic. Uh, I think one other thing that's worth sort of discussing is that one other thing that shot up in 2020 uh, and is now decreasing, to be clear, was carjackings. And I think that that's something that uh, it's not the most common crime, but it's something that I think really stuck in people's minds because it's a stra- it's a crime that a stranger commits on you. Mm-hmm. It feels random to, to the person who it happens to. And I do think that that carjackings, which, again, are falling from where they were in 2020 and 2021, I think that that was um, something that, that really, you know, enervated people and got people sort of sort of fearful in areas that actually don't have high levels of violence and crime. Yeah. You asked about context and I'm sorry I've been talking for a long time here, but I do no, I do want to put I want to valuable. I want to point out a couple things for context. The first is that cities across the country saw a rise in gun violence in 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic after the George Floyd uprisings. And two, there really are no good old days when it comes to Chicago gun violence. That's the other thing I want to point out. That's actually a line I stole from my criminal justice desk colleague, Chip Mitchell. <laughs> and his reporting shows that over the past 60 years, Chicago's averaged almost 700 murders a year. We haven't had fewer than 500 murders since 2015. So you're never going to catch me saying that the level of violence we have right now is okay. It's horrible. People are dying. It's a really urgent issue. Yeah, But also it's ahistorical to say that this is a new problem that was created in the last four years. And it's inaccurate to say that Chicago is unique in in the way that gun violence has gone up uh, since 2020. Four years ago, Paul Vallis ran for mayor, got only 5% of the vote, but it it was a different story this time. His message remained constant. Uh, From the public safety first signs behind his podium at campaign headquarters to what he told supporters last night. Let's listen. Public safety is the fundamental right of every American. It is a civil right. And it is the principal responsibility of government. 
And we will have a safe Chicago. We will make Chicago the safest city in America. What do you think his uh, reversal of fortune says about where Chicago voters are right now, Delmarie? Well, I think it's, you know, it's very interesting because I've been talking about it uh, when he ran for governor in 2020, I mean, in 2002 and and lost. And then he ran as on Pat Quinn's ticket as an incumbent. Uh, He wasn't the incumbent. He was a lieutenant governor. He lost in 2014. He ran for mayor in 2019, came in ninth. And then suddenly now he's the savior of Chicago. And so he's managed to (laughs) leverage three rejections into a win. And uh, that certainly doesn't happen very often. Um, And you have to wonder why. I I mean, we do know why, really. It's because the, the white community is experiencing crime for the first time at this level, and they haven't done it before. And so now it's a terrible thing. But it's been a terrible thing. And, and as Patrick was saying, um, we've had crime like this for years. Yeah. The problem, part of the biggest problem, is the solve rate. When people can get away with murder, there is no incentive to not kill if that's what you're prone to do. So where's the deterrent if I can get away with it? And so when you have a solve rate that was in the low figures, then that is why people are committing crimes. And we have to address that. And so we have to get to the root causes. And and what I said uh, it, last night after he gave his speech about civil, it's a civil right and all public safety is that all these problems that he's talking about, as he said, they didn't just start with Lori Lightfoot. But where has he been on them? Mm-hmm. Why wasn't he speaking out? Why are we just hearing about it? Because he didn't want to upset a, a Richard M. Daly. He didn't want to upset a Rahm Emanuel. But it's okay to upset a black woman. Interesting. Uh, Professor Vallis, seen as the more conservative law and order candidate in, in this field of nine, endorsed by the police union, got family who are you know in the police department, strong ally uh, of law enforcement. How much of that helped him shoot to the top? Oh, I think it helped him significantly. And as Delmarie said, he's had lots of practice, and he finally hit on a message that worked. Mm -hmm. And this is a message that is straight out of the conservative playbook, right? You go after crime, you go after crime, and, you know, there's also some dog whistles that go along with Paul Vallis's messaging that come right out of, you know, a Southern strategy, Richard Nixon. This isn't anything new. I mean, we're just recycling the old playbook over and over again. And when we talk about crime, yes, Chicago has significant crime, but we're not even the worst when we look at per capita crime, right? Yeah, absolutely. So per capita, um, we're not terrible, but the crime message sells. It's it's sold in New York with uh, Mayor Eric Adams. That's what he ran on. And I think that's a message for Democratic mayors across the country is that they are going to have to lean into the public safety crime message. Yeah, set the stage for us, Patrick. They've got uh, very different perspectives on how to deal with crime, Vallis and Johnson. Walk us through. Yeah, it's interesting because actually on certain policy questions, their, their, their answers are pretty similar about sort of what they would do. They they both say they would not reallocate resources from CPD to address so-called root causes of crime. They both said they would shift CPD deployment so that more officers are working when crime 
when violence happens most often. Mm -hmm. They're both looking to replace Superintendent David Brown. No, that's for sure. They They were very vocal about that. (laughs) They both said they want to limit canceled days off and overtime for Chicago police officers. And and to Del Marie's point, they both say they want to have more CPD detectives and that CPD needs to do a much better job solving shootings and murders. But they are very different in rhetoric. They're very different in how they talk about the issues of crime and what it might take to solve. And I think the biggest difference or one of the biggest differences is that is that, well, they both said they wouldn't cut CPD's budget. Johnson has also said he would not increase the Chicago Police Department's budget, that CPD needs to be more efficient and that the safest communities, he says, are not the ones that are the most policed. And I should say, if, if he wins and sticks to that. That, you know, that would be a first time in a long time that we didn't see an increase. The CPD, but not the first time in a long time, because actually there wasn't an increase in, I think it was 2020. But I should say over the last couple of years of Lightfoot's administration and, and before that, you just saw the CPD budget go up and up every year. Meanwhile, Vallis, he's pledged to hire more police officers. He wants to add almost 2,000 more police officers. And along with other proposals he's got, he would it would definitely require increasing the police budget. We're already at almost $2 billion for the police budget wow. as it stands right now. Let's hear from Jeff in the southwest side who wants to weigh in on this crime discussion. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm a, um, a dentist, and we and my, my partner and I specialize in treatment of developmentally disabled adults, most of which are poor, most of which are black and brown. Our office is on the southwest side. We're at Archer and Harlem, and um, there there are very few dentists that do what we do, mainly because of financial barriers. Um, People who who are developmentally disabled very often are on very limited incomes, cannot afford dentistry. Dentistry in general is pricey. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we, uh, we, we discount our fees about 50%, and we uh, try to help the people that we have been helping for many years since we were both involved when Easter Seals of uh, Metropolitan Chicago had a grant from the state, which was cut. Right. Um, and and you're, you're saying as well, Jeff, that, that crime is playing a role in patients not seeking care in your neighborhood? Is that right? Well, well the patients cannot come by themselves. So they are caregivers, and many uh, developmentally disabled adults have caregivers that are in their 60s, sometimes in their 70s, and the suburban folks don't want to come to Chicago because it's so dangerous. Or I have people say, I'm not coming downtown. Mm, yeah. well, we're downtown. We're in a relatively safe area. We've got a lot of police officers, a lot of firemen. Uh, it's um, it's a safe, you know, relatively yeah. safe neighborhood. Um, and but the thing is, if this is hurting their, it's hurting their, the, you know, uh, patients. And and if they're not coming down to take care of their loved one with a service that's very hard to get, extremely yeah. difficult, they're not going to go come into the city for you know dinner or a play or or a or a right. Re- Museum. These people are afraid. They're afraid. Yeah, it's a, it's a domino effect, Jeff. Uh, I appreciate you bringing that to to our attention. I hear that all the time. Uh, you know, people not going downtown, not going to certain areas because of, of crime. You've spent the last year, Patrick, uh, examining alternative ways to deal with violence in this city. This is for the WBEZ podcast Motive. 
Any lessons for these candidates? Yeah, I spent time with, with community violence uh, intervention workers, people who are trying to prevent violence in their in their own communities. And, and what I found is there's a lot of smart and dedicated folks who can have immediate impacts on the people that they work with. But that also the level of investment we have right now is just like nowhere near the level of need in the communities that have the most violence. And I think also in this this conversation that we're having about politics, I think in the communities or among the people who for whom like violence is right around them, it, they, they sort of live in the midst of it. They feel very disconnected. I don't think anyone you, you're not going to feel no one's going to be surprised by this, but they feel very disconnected from the political process. Yeah. Don't have a sense that anybody really understands what they what their issues are or or is really fighting for them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, their their view of these these uh, political discussions is pretty nuanced, which is to say there's a real belief of there's no consequences for people who shoot guns at other people. No one gets caught. There needs to be harsher consequences, but also not an embrace of you know, there's certainly skepticism about the police department and not an embrace of of the sort of broken windows uh, theory of policing that we've seen Paul Vallis put forward. Yeah. OK, so question for all of you before we, we take a pause in this conversation. As Chicagoans try to figure out which philosophy of policing and, and crime prevention makes the most sense. Do you think that we'll continue to make national headlines about how voters want leaders to deal with crime? I'll start with you, Delmarie. Oh, I mean, that's the number one issue. This is already a national story. Uh, People are covering it from everywhere uh, because they want to see where is the philosophical ideology uh, of this city and, and the fact that it's a microcosm of the nation. And is 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 the is the approach going to be law and order? And as you said, the broken window theory, stop and frisk, which people don't want. And the irony of that is we were also voting for police district councils. Right. And what that's going to mean and what all of us who are progressives hope for. So do you want a progressive mayor leading that? Something so new that has so many possibilities, or do you want a conservative mayor leading that? Uh, and that was also part of Lori's problem: is she fought that tooth and nail because it was oh, it was too much power. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see which way we go. But as you said, those people who are victims of crime the most often, even though they want crime to end, they don't want over policing. And and yeah. and that's so that's the dilemma. Are we still going to take over that national conversation, Professor, when it comes to crime? Oh, absolutely. And Chicago has this long history of being associated with crime. Go back to Al Capone. Right. So we've mm-hmm. got this long history of being associated with crime. What I find interesting is that the loudest voices on public safety right, are often coming from white voters in some of the safest neighborhoods. And the voters that you're talking about, about Patrick, like they have a much more nuanced view of of crime and what it really takes to 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 reduce it. I mean, economic development, jobs, education, but we've disinvested in it. And I'd like somebody to make the, the connection between our disinvestment in schools in Chicago and where we see the highest levels of crime mm-hmm. and ask that of Paul Vallis. 
where's the link between the schools that have closed or where we've gone to charter schools and where we're also seeing crime? Well, Patrick, you can maybe ask that of Paul Vallis. (laughs) I I look forward to that. (laughs) But I'll give you the last word in this conversation. Yeah, as far as the national, you know, it always uh, makes me very nervous when the national media is talking about Chicago. Uh, It's not when they call you and ask you to do uh, (laughs) ask you to appear on their network. At least I'll know what I'm going to say, which that doesn't mean I'm I'm right. But at least I can feel confident of what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what Chicago voters will do, and I, and I don't know what the right choice is here. My feeling is that nationally, if Paul Vallis is elected, that will get a bunch of national attention about how voters want more law and order. And if Brandon Johnson is elected, that will not get much national attention at all. Right. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrea Guthman, Meha Ahmed, Linnea Dominic, and Brenda Ruiz. And it was edited by Dan Tucker, Stephanie Kim, and Ethan Schwab. Get a daily dose of news, politics, and culture by subscribing to the Reset podcast. We publish episodes morning and afternoon, Monday through Friday, and on Saturday mornings. That's all for Reset. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.